Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And today we have a very special guest. She was with us for The Muppet Movie. She was with us for The Great Muppet Caper. And she's back with us again. Special guest, who are you? Hi, I am Stacy Rosen. And the the person who wrote our theme music. Yeah, isn't it yeah. kind of creepy that everyone just heard the theme song that I actually haven't written yet? It's kind of Yeah, I was just I was going to say you wrote the theme song for the first season and the second season and also for this season which I'm sure is a fantastic song although we have not heard it yet. No, but everyone else has. Yeah. So so I'm going to assume that it is a riff on Gonna Always Love You, because I haven't heard it yet. That's a good guess. It's actually not a riff on that. We'll see if by that, the time you so, hear it, everybody else, including yourselves, can tell what I'm riffing on. Sure. I will I will sound like a fool. Well, <laughs> it was a good guess. Anyways, always a thrill to have you back, Stacey. Thanks for having me. Um, and today we are talking about minutes three and four of The Muppets Take Manhattan. In these minutes, Kermit and the gang perform together again the rousing finale of their Dan Hurst College musical, and they are greeted by rapturous applause. <laughs> so, first of all, we're, we are listening to the, and what a great cutoff for these minutes that, like, we come in right when the lyrics start here. Yeah, like, that worked out so well. It's really perfect. Yeah, like, like w- within about three seconds of the start of this clip, Kermit is singing the beginning of Together Again, written, of course, by Jeff Moss, who wrote all the songs for this uh, for this movie. So, Stacey, I actually wanted to start out by asking you, I know you're a huge Jeff Moss fan. Do you, do you want to talk about why you love Jeff Moss so much? Sure. Um, well, I, I love Joe Raposo, and I love all the other composers that have worked on Sesame Street, but something about Jeff Moss's music has always sort of felt theatrical to me, and I'm a huge theater fan. Um, I feel that in this show, of course, and then in Sesame Street, I just feel like a lot of his songs just sound like a big a big number where you would have your jazz hands out. Sure, um, sure, Ab- absolutely. And it's actually my love for theater that makes me such a huge fan of this particular movie. I know that you like to ask people about like how they rank the movies, but if I could, at this juncture, just talk about... The fact that my whole love for the Muppets as a franchise comes from this movie. This was the movie I rented over and over again as a child. We didn't own a lot of movies, but we probably should have, considering how much we spent in rentals of the same movies. <laughs> but So you rented this enough times that you could have just bought the VHS tape. Yeah, and not only do I know every word, but like I know the exact intonation of the words. And, sure. you know... I think people have heard before, probably on this podcast, that Ryan and I uh, well, were married and we met because of the Muppets. However, when I searched Muppets into that OK Cupid search box, I had actually never seen the Muppet movie or the great Muppet Caper. So Crazy. most of my love from the Muppets really just stemmed from this movie. I had also seen episodes of The Muppet Show and I'd seen Christmas Carol and I actually saw Treasure Island in the theater just that one time I saw it. Um, but yeah, it really came from this because it merges so many things that I love. New York, which I've been in love with since I was five, and Broadway musical theater, which I've also been in love with since I was five. So to then have these, you know, amazing characters uh, 
do a show, a film all about that. Uh, it was just this is right in your it was wheelhouse. right in my wheelhouse. So I and as as I was preparing uh, clips for this season, I discovered that that you actually know the dialogue from this movie better than I do. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> I, you probably don't know this, Anthony, and I'm really sorry to tell you this, but I've tried to squeeze you out of this podcast multiple times. I've said to Ryan, why don't you just give Anthony a break and I can be your co-host for this uh, for this particular movie? But no, he's he's been loyal to you, just so you know. I- I had to listen to it. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not opposed to that idea. It was impossible know? for me to select which ones I wanted to do. So eventually, I just said, "You know what? I wrote the theme song. I want to be on the first episode that you have guests for." So awesome! I love that. I, I love that. Um, so so let's get actually into it. We we start with the Muppets singing together again, um, which is, you know, like. I guess it's a song about the characters in the musical Manhattan Melodies reuniting at the end of the show or something. Like, in-universe, in, in we're supposed to assume that's what it's about, right? Yes. But, but it's not about that. It is about the Muppets are back, friends. Like, on, on right. this podcast, we've talked about Fantastic Miss Piggy Show and Rocky Mountain Holiday recently. Those are the only two things the Muppets did in between The Great Muppet Caper and this. Like, in between the Muppet movie and the Great Muppet Caper, they made 48 episodes of The Muppet Show. They were on TV every week, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And in between these two movies, they did two mediocre to bad specials. And what was the, how many years between the two movies? Three years. Three Three years. years. Yeah. 81 to 84. So it's like, you know, in 82 and 83 each, they did one special. But it's like... The, the Muppets haven't been a fixture on TV, like in, in popular culture, like they were just a few years earlier. So Right. And and now the the Muppets themselves are together again, the Muppets and you know, all the performers are getting together again to work on this movie, and the Muppets and their audience are together again. Right. So um so the first Muppet that we see is Kermit, which I guess is appropriate. He's our he's our hero, right? He's sure. he's he's Jim Henson himself. And then the second and third Muppets that we see in order are Piggy and Fozzie. So both Frank Oz, right? Like we're seeing these, these introductions of like the, the big three, Jim and Frank. And then right. after that, Rolf, Scooter, Gonzo, and Camilla all at the same time. Because who cares? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, but um, any any thoughts about like, what members of the gang we see here. I actually wrote in my notes, I said, Camilla really feels like part of the gang here. And it made me wonder, you know, I'm not as, uh, as versed in the other movies. Is Camilla like one of the main, I know she doesn't say much, but is she just so prominently with all the characters all the time like that? She, she is more so in the Muppet movie where she, where she, like she and Gonzo are introduced together, you know? Okay. Um, it driving driving the plumbing truck like you know the first time we see Gonzo he's talking to Camilla. She wasn't so much of a presence in the Great Muppet. Yeah, Caper. Great Muppet Caper. She's just like at the hotel with you know she's she's no more or less of a presence than like the newsman. You, you right, know, or she's something. just one of the chickens, right? Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, I, I like this selection of characters. It's also interesting that the conceit of the movie is they're all in college together. They're all college seniors graduating at the same time because somehow 
I guess mostly Ralph seems older than the others. Yeah, Ralph's in his 40s for sure. <laughs> right, like he's always he's always in his 40s. Right. So it seems funny that he's graduating college at the same time as Scooter, who seems like a, you know, like he's, he's like just, he's like a teen. Right, or or like just perpetually college age maybe. But yeah. didn't you guys have both of those characters in like your college experience? There was that like there's that one dude who just, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's seems true. Like that's true. They've lived a lot of life already, and that's, then you have, yeah, that's true. You have those. I can picture that really guy. Enthusiastic yeah. freshman too. Like, like, yeah, like the, the guy wore a hat. Well, like <laughs> now that you say that, like specific, you guys know the TV show Undeclared. Uh, yeah, I yes. know of it. Yeah, well, like Jay Baruchel on that show is Scooter, and Seth Rogen is Ralph. So th- there you go. There you go. Like it's right there. Um, that might have been the inspiration for that show. <laughs> it would not surprise Maybe. me, actually. Um, but so then, uh, and all of these Muppets that we've seen so far are wearing these like checkered, like pastel colored suits. I love those costumes. I, Do I we love know the costumes. Who did the yeah. costumes? Did you already go over it when you went through the names? We, we didn't because it, it was not in the opening credits. Okay, I'd love to find out at the end of this uh, podcast series about the costumer. I love those costumes. Um, did Callista Hendrickson work on this movie? Yeah, um, sh- I, you know, like you know what? Let's uh, let's pause. Let's pretend that we all know. Yeah, let's look it up. Costume designed by Karen Rostin, Callista Hendrickson. So yes, and Polly Smith, who had worked on the Muppet Show. Oh yeah. Okay. So between between the three of them, they. One of them, or possibly all of them, collaborated on designing these. I wonder right. if they still exist somewhere. Yeah, I don't do. You are, know, are you saying that because you I, want I, to modify and wear them? <laughs> no, but I would <laughs> love to see them in like a traveling Henson. Yeah, that would be that would rule. Display at Momi. This feels like something. Yeah, that I can't imagine they would have just thrown all of these away. So, yeah, it's one of those. I think I've already said this on the season, but. I, I hope that these are in a box at the Center for Puppetry Arts somewhere. Yeah, and you and you hope that you get to unbox them. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so so the costumes look great. We I think we got to talk up front. How do we feel about Piggy's hair? <laughs> yes, I was wondering if this, this is of come course up the movie where, where or... Piggy has uh, a perm. You know, she has that like curly. perm. Well, I have to tell she has you that very. 80s. Right now, Ryan and I are uh, watching the FX series The Americans, mm-hmm. uh, which takes place in the 80s. Uh, we're just getting to watching it now. And my biggest pet peeve is that nobody has 80s hairstyles. Uh, Carrie Russell just has very modern, straight wavy hair. and She has very stylish 2013 hair. Yeah, like they're doing, they're making no effort to make it look like the 80s at all. So I actually find Piggy's perm refreshing and of the time. You would like the Americans better if Carrie Russell looked like Miss Piggy (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) Basically, yeah. Or maybe at least like Felicity. I would would actually like the Americans better if Stan was played by Rolf. So... Oh there yeah, there's your there's the your forty something year old guy. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yes. Ca- Wait, now I'm rethinking the entire series <laughs> with yep. Muppets. Uh huh. Well, let's table that. Yeah. Sure, we'll, we'll get back to that later. We'll Ryan. do a we'll, we'll do a tough pigs article about it later. <laughs> well, I mean, I I feel like Agent Gad has to be Sam the Eagle, but oh, I can see that. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, so the thing is, though, it feels like they're was an effort to make the New York of this movie seem kind of timeless. 
there there are things that creep in like certain fashions that people are wearing but um for the most part it does feel like this could have taken place in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s so the to have the perm look so of the era does sort of date it and also something about that <laughs> that piggy hair it looks white to me yeah it's it's bleach it's bleach blonde that's for sure yeah it's definitely yeah. lighter than her usual look I don't want to spoil yeah. the rest of the movie, Ryan, but this is definitely not the only part that dates it. If you think of a certain roller skater and the clothes <laughs> no, that they're yeah, wearing. You're right. uh, that's true. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. But I hear you. So after we see all of those Muppets that we talked about, Kermit, Piggy, Fozzie, Rolf, Scooter, Gonzo, and Camilla, the, the only other Muppets introduced in this scene are the Electric Mayhem, who are the orchestra who are all in the pit. And I... Th- and apparently they're also all graduating Yeah, they're seniors. all graduating seniors, as I think we'll find out in the next clip uh, uh, that animal is, right? Like, we don't see that here. But, um... Lips is notably absent. I was just about to ask about Lips. Yeah, because oh, Lips right. is, like, with the mayhem the entire time in Great Muppet Caper. He doesn't say much or do much because he's mm. not a character. But he's, like, part of the gang. And here, it feels like they're going back to basics with the mayhem. It feels like Jim or Frank or someone made the decision that nobody cares about lips and the Electric Mayhem should be like the classic band from the TV show. Hmm. Which is interesting, though, because Steve Whitmire plays two prominent characters in this. So it seems it's kind of funny that they wouldn't include his member of the Electric Mayhem. Yeah, well, that's what I mean is it, it... I don't think it's a slight on Steve, who, you know, obviously Rizzo's a huge part of this, who he's very much like right. the still the rising star of the Muppets. But I, I wonder yeah. if they didn't decide that Lips was kind of a misfire. Uh, maybe, but then he comes back later. I'm actually curious now, What when was the next time we he, saw Lips? He's after? in uh, but, Muppet Family Christmas. But does Lips talk oh, at sure. all in any of the productions? Uh, he talks on the 2015 TV show sometimes. <laughs> That's like because the only time. I have time. to imagine that well, they definitely, I mean, if they had Lips in the band, then Lips would have been part of the whole adventure of the movie. And then it kind of takes away, I think, from like Zoot's sort of like quietness and dazed. You know, Zoot just only says what he has to say, doesn't talk a lot. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. I, yeah. He does. There is some overlap yeah, there. Yeah. I, it, they just never figured Lips out as a character. Like, and, about right. and of course, as our friend Quinn Rollins has said on this very podcast, the puppet doesn't have any lips. So it's a strange, <laughs> strange choice. Like, I seem to recall Steve Whitmire saying in an interview, it was either for the Muppets or Muppets Most Wanted, or it might have been for the ABC series. Um, but he said that the lips had one line of dialogue in one of those projects, and it was like, for the first time, he figured out, like, oh, here's something. Like, this could be Lips's character. After all those years, it, it took him that long to, to get a line of dialogue that made him think, oh, wait, here, like, here's here's a personality for yeah, Lips. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's wild. 30, 35 years or whatever after that puppet was yeah, built. Something yeah, something like that. Hey, listeners, this is Ryan coming to you from slightly in the future with a point of clarification. Um, I did a little bit more research that I should have done in the first place, and it turns out it was actually an interview with Dave Goals with The Muppet Mindset in 2013, where he talked about Steve Whitmire um, 
coming to new realizations about Lips's character. Uh, Dave Goals told our friends at Muppet Mindset, Steve Whitmire has been frustrated that for 30 years he hasn't really found a character hook for Lips the trumpet player. Just last winter, he had to say the line, but we don't have any instruments. In a gravelly voice, Steve came out with, but we don't got no instruments. And the character was born after 30-odd years in labor. I love Lips, and I am waiting raptly for his next line. So uh, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, by the way, Muppet Wiki also notes that there are actually no productions where Lips says that line. So <laughs> that's interesting too, but uh, 2013. So that was a couple years before this series. Uh, so there you go. And now returning you to your regularly scheduled podcast where Anthony is about to say, wow. Wow. Yeah. Can we talk about um, animal in the song for a second? Sure, of course. Every time I sing the song to myself, I always go together again. Again! Every single time. Like that's part of it to me. But do you think that that was just a total ad lib in the recording studio with, for Frank Oz? Yeah, it probably so. feels like it. It's great. Yeah, oh yeah. What an interest. <laughs> it's like, I think it's an even better, for anyone who hadn't seen the other movies, which was me, I think that's an even better introduction to who Animal is than what we see, uh, I don't, is it this clip or the next, next clip? One. when we next see one. him. Okay, so then what we see uh, in the next clip, uh, I think you learn everything you need to know in that moment. Right, right. Yeah, I would. Yeah, he's a wild I would definitely agree with that. Um, So one thing that surprised me watching this clip is how short this song is once the lyrics start. Like, the the song ends at one minute and 13 seconds into this two-minute clip. So that's how long they're actually singing. Yeah, they, they get in and out pretty right. There's quickly. no second verse. Right. So depending on how you choose to deconstruct the song, yeah, it's just a verse and a chorus, and, and that's it. Uh, we haven't really talked about the lyrics, but I I like the song. I like the song thematically. I feel like this should maybe be a little bit more recognized in the the canon I, of Muppet songs. I think it it's wild to suggest that it isn't, considering that it's the closing number of a different movie 30 years well, later. No, like, it's true. It's true. Eh, but just the fact yeah. that we always hear Rainbow Connection and, you know, they, we've we've had the Electric Mayhem playing Can You Picture That and a few different appearances. And and but one of their two newest feature films ends with them singing this. No, it's true. Wait, it's two true, of but, them? No, one of the two. I mean, like, oh, like there's the only two. two new movies and, like, Rainbow Connection and this are the only two songs that are brought back, you know? Yes, it's true, but you never hear covers of this, for example, whereas I think it is a song. That's that because it be, only has one like verse. It's not necessarily specific. I know, I was going to say, I think that's why. Well, maybe. It's just, you'd be done with it in two seconds. Right. Well, I, I like the theme of it, of just, you know, when you're such good friends with somebody that you can just pick up right from where you left off and... You know, it's not starting over, it's just going on. Now you're here and there's no need remembering when. I think it's it's one of the kinds of things that has gotten more poignant to me as I've gotten older and sort of had more of these experiences of have, knowing people and departing and, you know, coming back together and having these right. experiences. So I think the song is still remains underrated. I could see Uncle Deadly doing like a spoken word rendition of this. Sure. Why Imagine not? it. Yeah. Get that. Are you imagining I it? I am. Oh, good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's impactful. 
Do we, are we supposed to just ignore the fact, I know this is just a trial run and like shows can evolve and change, but this is the finale of this trial run of this show. And where do we suppose it appears in the actual finale that we see of the show later? Because it's not the closing number. Right. Well, I see the later version has more dogs and bears and chickens and things. Chickens and yeah. things. That's true. So, That's true. So they had to they ha- change it. They had the to show. change it. it yeah. Makes- yeah. Something's not right. We'll find out next week. Something's not, not working. Right. The idea of what Manhattan Melodies is is very nebulous. <laughs> right. they, they never get very specific with <laughs> right. it. Well, I, it really just makes it sound like a review. Yeah. Like it's just yes. And he says variety show, our senior variety something or another. So maybe it has no plot at all, and it's just a bunch of songs he wrote. Right. I think it's just one of these like 1920s style, like musical reviews. On Broadway. Yeah, that's what I... I think... Does he say that actually next week about the... Uh, he does. The, being a variety show? Yeah. yeah but I was going to say, it, it makes me think of what I've read about the Marx Brothers' first Broadway hit, I'll Say She Is, where it's there's like a very thin plot, but it's mostly just an excuse to, to do a bunch of sketches and variety acts on stage. Right, which is like, I think in the 20s, which is when the Marx Brothers were on Broadway, that was right. very common, right? That's like... That's yeah. that's no no Nanette and all this stuff, right? Like that's what people expect. Yeah, but in the eighties, less so. Um, <laughs> yes. But but that crowd went wild. That's for that's it. true. They, sure well, and, and that's the thing is that after the song ends, the remaining forty seven seconds of this clip are entirely like rapturous applause for Manhattan <laughs> Melodies, and then. Uh, you know, like, and I think part of that is that like, we, the audience are so happy to see the Muppets again. Right. So the idea is that Mm. we're supposed to be like, yeah, Muppets are back, you know, or or something. Um, but so the, the crowd goes crazy. They're clapping, clapping, clapping. Muppets come back out for another bow. And then the crowd just keeps cheering and, and Gonzo has to peek out through the curtain to make sure that what they hear is really happening. Yeah, that is really. Yeah, for which them. I, I love that shot of Gonzo peeking out through the curtain. By the way, yes, it's, it's such a nice touch. And they're all calling out Kermit by right, name, and, that, and so it makes you wonder what is his reputation on campus like. Does everyone here already know Kermit? Kermit, I mean, you know, he definitely seems like that type of guy, like the, the type of person everyone knows. And like when when he's not around, people say, "Boy, that Kermit, what a nice guy!" Right. Sure, yeah, sure. I, I actually have something related to that that I will get to next week. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the crowd is chanting Kermit, Kermit, which again feels like the filmmakers just want us to be so hyped about Muppets in a, in a new yeah. movie, right? Yeah. Just. I mean, some of those audience members look like they just found out that Oprah's giving them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh, and sh- actually, we should talk about a few of the audience members, right? Let's talk about all the Let's audience. identify every single one of them by name. No, but um, as Kermit faces the audience, you can see Steve Whitmire pretty clearly, three rows oh, back. Oh, yeah. And uh, Marty Robinson is behind him. And then, according to Muppet Wiki, also in the crowd is Jim Krupa, Karen Prell, David Rudman, and Steve Whitmire's wife, Melissa Whitmire, who I think is sitting next to him. But that makes sense. I can't, yeah, I can't really pick out those other three. Um, right. Like I don't know what David Redman looked like in 1983. Or I don't know what so. I don't know what Jim Krupa looks like ever. 
Yeah, I, I had to look up a picture of him, but um, they're in there somewhere, apparently. Yeah. Well, we should see if we can get everyone to identify everyone that they knew in yeah. the audience. Right. So anyways, the crowd's chanting Kermit, Kermit. Kermit comes out and says, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, uh, I really don't know what to say. And then he gets cut off. So we really don't know if he's going to say any more or if he just really doesn't it, know what to say. Will he ever figure out what to say? I don't. I like how we do this bit all the time. <laughs> like It's fun. <laughs> it is. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah. What if he doesn't even say say? What are some other things he I might say? I don't even say? know what to sandwich this between. I, I really... I don't know what to say. I sew. really don't know what to staple these papers with. <laughs> so uh, this bit could go on all night. Um, I, I don't know that it can progress, though. Um, so that brings us down to the end of these minutes. Any final thoughts on these minutes before we, we close? Stacy? I'll start with you. Um, just that it's such a wonderful way to start the show. A, a, a black, you know, theater, a spotlight, a lovable character, and then the tempo changes and everyone's together and the energy is really um, fun. I think it just really highlights what's to come in the show. It really sets the tone. Yeah, awesome. R- Ryan, anything else? Yes, I have an observation and some information. Please. Uh, we get a glimpse of the set, like the whole set on the stage. And there are these sort of two-dimensional uh, versions of the New York City skyline. We can sort of see that one of them looks like the Empire State Building and one looks like the Chrysler Building. And then off to the side, there are these signs on the stage that say Broadway, Times Square, and Majestic Theater. And there is actually a Majestic Theater in Manhattan's Theater District. Uh, it's on 44th Street, and around the time of this movie, it was hosting the original production of 42nd Street, not to be confused with the street, 42nd Street. The, mu- uh, the musical featuring and, Jerry Orbach. Yes, uh, and currently it is hosting <clears throat> the Phantom of the Opera, which has been there since 1988 and has run for over 13,000 performances. Um, I'm sure you know Kermit could only dream of such a run for... Manhattan Melodies. Manhattan Melodies has actually been running since 1984. So, oh, nice. So, yeah, it's in its 36th hit year. (laughs) So, it it has the record. There's also a Broadway theater. I don't know if it was called that at the time of this film, but there is also that's true. Is there a Times Square theater? There probably is. Um, that sounds like the the name of an off-Broadway theater, maybe like a smaller theater, but um. Uh, oh, and also, uh, according to Muppet Wiki, the storybook adaptation of this movie includes an image of Muppets uh, popping out from behind those Skyline sets. So there was probably more of this musical number that was filmed that got cut. Oh, that's kind uh, of a bummer. So, yeah. Um, and then also, uh, like every Muppet movie and every movie, this screenplay went through several drafts and I have the March 7th, 1983 draft uh, labeled as the second draft by Frank Oz. And it has a little bit more in this sequence. Also there's some chatter before you say it. Let me just say what a joy it is to hear a new screenplay date come out of your mouth. Yeah. It's the March 7th, 1983 draft second draft by Frank Oz. Um, 
there's some chatter among the Muppets before they go on stage, uh, in which we learn that Camilla is a little groggy because she's been staying up to study for her Latin finals. That's pretty funny. That is a great joke. I think, you know, we just jump right into the musical number, which is a good idea, but that, that was a good joke. Uh, also, Statler and Waldorf are in the audience in that scene, as written. Uh, Waldorf comes in right during this final number. Statler tells him he's late. Waldorf says, have they finished the number yet? And when Statler says, not yet, he says, then I'm early. Pretty so good. It's a pretty good. Pretty typical Statler and Waldorf joke. Uh, there's a bit... Oh, so when um, when Gonzo sticks his head out between the curtains, Scooter tells him that that's unprofessional. And Gonzo says, they couldn't see who it was. All they could see was my nose. That's a good yeah. joke. They probably uh-huh. could have left that in. Um, but I think with all this stuff, like if you read interviews and hear DVD commentaries and stuff with Frank Oz, he's very into just like getting right to the important stuff. So I think all this stuff just ended up cut for that reason. Like, so let's just get to the musical number and get him to New York as quickly as possible. Right. Right. So that's all I got. All right. I have a theater update. Since mm-hmm. You asked a question. Uh, there it was a Times Square theater. It was active from 1920 to 1934. <laughs> and before that, it was the Broadway theater. Oh. Uh, but not the same one. I think it's a different, it was called the Broadway right. theater. And actually, since then, it's just been kind of in disrepair. And there were so many projects that almost redeveloped the space, including a 4D uh, theater uh, they were going to do called Broadway Sensation. But oh, I've it never heard happened. about this. Did you hear about that? It seems like the most recent update was that it was going to be sadly turned in 2018 to retail space. But yeah. it was just sitting there for decades and decades. Huh. Wow. Wow. Practically 100 years. Yeah, right. 80 years. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Well, thank you for that tidbit, Stacey. <laughs> but also at the end of uh, episodes, we like to ask our guests, as you said at the start, uh, you talked about your history with this movie, but where would you rank it among the Muppet movies? I have a good guess where I think you might rank it, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to rank it anywhere, but number one sure. for me, because I mean, so much of that has to do with, I think nostalgia and you know, the initial experience you had and where you were in life when you saw the movie. So yeah, this one's number one to me. It has everything I'm looking for in a Muppet production. Awesome. And you will be back with us next week to talk about yeah. a, li- a little bit more of what it has to offer. Yay. That's it for today. Uh, listeners, in the meantime, check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the place. Uh, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe, as well. Our theme music is by today's guest, Stacy Rosen, and our logo was designed by Morgan Davy. And uh, listeners, if you're so inclined, give us that positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell all your friends to listen to Moving Right Along. We'll be back here next week with another episode. Goodbye. Bye. Kermit, Kermit, Kermit.